She's very talkative. She is. She's a very talkative girl. I love cats that talk. It frightens me when cats don't talk. Because you feel like they're judging you? Okay, bye. Bye. She'll be back. I can guarantee you. here with the first episode of you mean a cup of tea <laughs> it's exciting so i'm here with my friend maddie Hi, she's everybody. our guest host today and if you'd like to tell the people what you're drinking oh that's if you what we're know. doing yeah um i'm drinking the puka love tea which is a combination of rose, chamomile, and lavender, and I've been informed that it has marshmallow root in it. Yeah, either that or licorice root, which makes it very sweet. I can't taste anything. I've burnt my taste buds off. I was too excited to drink the tea, and now... Um... It's scalding hot water, Maddie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got that at the Natural Living Center. Where is the Natural Living Center? Right next to Target. Never seen that in my life. It's literally, okay, so, mm, how to describe this? See, there's Target, there's that little road, and then another building as you're going, like, up still Yeah, water. the BJ's. No, right? on the other side. Oh, 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 yes. Yeah. That little building is the Natural Living Center. Okay. Mm. It's it's nice in there. Maybe I will check it out the next time I'm... It's very expensive things, but very high quality but, things. Yeah. What kind of mug do you have your tea in? I am drinking my tea out of a fox-shaped mug. Like, it's a fox's head. Mm, you're drinking out of a fox's head. Gotcha. Yeah, he's very hard to drink out of. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you can <laughs> thank Books a Million for that one. <laughs> Difficult to hold. Cute to look at. Difficult to hold. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I am drinking Taza Zen tea. Thanks to you. Because you're the one who actually introduced me mm -hmm. the, to this flavor, and I have not stopped drinking it. So that, I think, is like spearmint and lemongrass. Yes. And then lemon verbena, which is... It's very uh, good. I got... Is it verbena or verbana? I don't know. Or verbena. I got that. I got lemon for, for that thing in Salem, actually. Ooh. I have it in a jar in the other room. What is that for? What does that do? That's a good question. I think it's for protection. Hmm. Just as an FYI, I'm into the occult and witchcraft, so that's how I know this. Um, I think it's also very good for the blood pressure. Mm, which makes sense that they would put it in a zen tea yeah. mixture. And speaking of blood pressure... Oh boy! <laughs> I found 10 little known facts about tea. And I figured, might as well start the podcast off with a fact about tea. One of them is that tea is actually a natural lower, lower of cholesterol and blood pressure. Hmm. Yes. But the one thing that I found very interesting is that all teas are the same. What? Yep. There are several different kinds of tea, of course. Black, oolong, white, green. All of the above. But they all come from the same plant. Um, it's called Camilla... Camellia? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Camellia senescis. And the only difference is how they're treated and harvested. Interesting. Yeah. So black is most commonly consumed. It's about 84% of the uh, worldwide. So most consumed. Fun. 
It is also the most processed. Um, but they have to ferment it until it turns black, and that's what pulls out the um, caffeine in it. Oh. Oolong has a similar process to black tea. However, it is not as long as black tea, which I think is ironic because of the name. <laughs> Ooh, Oolong. Long. <laughs> Green tea is not put through any sort of fermentation process. It's either steamed or pan-fried. Pan. For their natural antioxidants. Okay. And then the white tea leaves are pickled. That makes me uncomfy. Yeah, I've never had white tea before, so I don't I, think I'm going to. I, I don't think I've ever had white tea before. But like, does it taste... Pickly? Like I don't know. Maybe for it's our made next from episode. younger leaves that have been pickled earlier in the season, and then it's typically left out to dry briefly in the sun before being prepared for packaging. Brew temperature also matters because overboiling should be avoided. Um, it's also important to properly store your teas, otherwise it screws with the mm. fermentation of teas, which. I can attest to because my black tea is not good it's anymore. It's not good anymore. <laughs> it's not good anymore. But my favorite fact I found was teas versus tisanes. Spell that for me. T-I-S-A-N-E. Tisane. Tisane. Sounds like a fantasy character name. It does. <laughs> so teas are just the straight up teas that I mentioned from that specific plant. Teas like these, the puka and the zen, are actually herbal infusions that are tisanes. Okay. They're not technically teas. Anything made from herbs that doesn't have that tea plant in it is not a tea. It's a tisane. Oh. Tisane. Yeah. I'm still going to fucking call it a tea, but... I was going to say, I feel it'd be really pretentious if we started being like, that's not a tizzy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to do that. Um, it's anything that's made from nuts, seeds, berries, flowers, leaves, or roots, any style mm. of herbal infusion. Oh, fuck. I was going to use my other mug. My Yumi and a cup of tea mug. No! That you got me for my birthday, <laughs> and I forgot it existed, so I'm drinking out of a dragonfly. It's okay. It's okay. Next, Next episode. Time. <laughs> Next, Next episode, <laughs> we'll have this, and we'll have white tea, because I would like to try whatever the hell... Yeah, I think I had a tea bag of white tea, and I think it was like apricot white tea. Hmm. We'll buy more. <laughs> We're going to have to. Um, let's see. What else did I find? The champagne of tea. Oh, I would love to hear this. It's actually Darjeeling. Is that, does that come from the same? I don't think so. Is that a tisane uh, or is that a, a tea? That is a tea, but it is a different kind of tea because it is the tea that is grown in Darjeeling, India. Okay. And that plant is grown at the perfect climate in the Himalayas. In a rocky mountain terrain, harvested, uh, battled the cold, steeped in the terrain mists and heavy rains, and then it kind of just you package it the way you would a black tea. But it's just Ooh. because it's in a mountain, it has a different aroma flavor to it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. There's like a flavor profile to it. I don't know what that is, but my palate is not refined enough to tell the difference between those teas. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever had Darjeeling. I heard it. Yeah. Never had it. Because it's the champagne of teas, I guess. It's expensive. There was one thing I found that was like, it takes, I want to say, 22,000 or something like that to make like one bag of tea or something like that. 
Something along those lines. Oh, it takes 2,000 tiny leaves just to make one pound of finished tea. Yeah. it's It's something. Something all right. I feel like we should do a a tea tasting test at some point. Oh, absolutely. We get little, like... Little, little, like, wine cut Dixie cups of tea and just... (laughs) Just try them. Oh, no, that's on my list of things to do for the podcast. Oh, wonderful. Tea tasting. Oh, that's exciting. So now that we're done talking about tea... Yeah. I don't know, I don't got much going on in my life that's really that exciting, so... I can't say that I do either. I just finished uh, all the coursework for my second to last semester of college. Which, which is... congratulations. Thank you so much. It's exciting. <laughs> How's that thesis coming along? Oh, it's uh, it's coming. Slowly, slowly but surely. A bit a bit too slow for my advisor's liking, but mm. um, it was my fault for not doing anything all semester. But I did write 17 pages of analysis over Octavia Butler's Kindred over the past four days just to prove to her that I could do it. Like, <laughs> I had everything on the back burner ready to go. I just didn't you just have time to, to do it. Yeah, I could never. I think the largest paper I've ever written is a 12-page paper on Caitlyn Jenner. Oh my god, what was that for? <laughs> Performance studies. Yeah, so... What performance were, were you, like, analyzing? Like, what... Okay, so... I'm a theater major. Was a theater major. I have a BA in theater arts. Wonderful. <laughs> and this was my sophomore year. So we didn't have Rosalie or Luby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Um, it was taught by a communications professor. Wonderful. Who blatantly told us this... Hi, Stella. Do you want to come up in your chair? Come here. She's a chair? Well, technically these two chairs are hers. She'll sit up here and just stare. Oh, that's nice. Is she coming up? No, she's not. Another special guest? Oh, she's over there. Okay, hi. Okay. All right, cool. Um, (laughs) But she specifically told us it was not a theater class. Okay. And that we couldn't write about theater or any, like, actual show performances. Right. Which, like, I somewhat get. It's a performance studies class. It's not a theater performance studies. Yeah. Like, it's not supposed to be entirely about theater because there are other types of performances. We spent a little too much time talking about fluxus and performance art. And how anything can be... A... She had a hard-on for fluxus. I don't know what it was. I don't even know. Yeah. So fluxus <laughs> is basically performance art. So, like, we went and saw... Actually, the guy we went and saw at the... Um, art center on campus where you i'm assuming have your ceramic class and oh like that. yeah yes um he recently died <laughs> oh no but his whole performance was getting up on a ladder and pouring water into a bowl that's what fluxus is god yep mm-hmm. so we spent a lot of time on that is this fluxus right now what actually doing? technically it's not fluxus but technically it's performative okay Technically, everything we do is a performance, (laughs) but our final papers had to be about a performance, but it couldn't be theater, unless we could justify it to her. That is ridiculous. Yeah. So (laughs) I chose the performance of gender identity and Uh... how being trans or identifying in general as a different gender identity 
than what you were assigned at birth is a performance. Because even if you, like, even if you're a very butch man, you're performing masculinity. So, like, even if you... Yeah. Yeah, it's just, there's, all genders are all different types of performances, whether you were assigned that sex at birth or not. So I chose Caitlyn Jenner as a topic. Mm-hmm. And how her transition publicly was a performance. Yeah. Do I agree with Caitlyn Jenner and all her opinions? Absolutely not. No. I think she's a trash human being. But it got me an A. Yeah. <laughs> and I think seven pages of it were about Caitlyn Jenner. And then the last five were my autoethnography. I don't even know what those words mean. An autoethnography is how I relate the topic back to myself and my own life. Oh. So that was fun. That seems... Unnecessary? So unnecessary for it like was. an introductory level theater course. It, well, it wasn't introductory. It was a 300 course. Oh. Yeah. It's okay. T-H-E 300 performance studies. You have to take it like June, sophomore, junior year. I think that makes it worse. The fact that she was like, this isn't a theater class. We're not making this about theater. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, we didn't read any plays that could be performative because there's so many plays out there that like bonkers yeah. could be a performance art style piece. No, we focused on like art museum style pieces and stuff like that. Hmm. It was very interesting, which fun fact, we had to do our own performance art pieces. So I came in with a bunch of words written on me. Oh my God. I had random people around campus just write words about things they've been called or things they've called other people. All over my arms. Gabby Hanna vibe. Very much so. Oh no. <laughs> and then I was going to take a makeup wipe and just stand there and just wipe it off. Yeah. Did not work. Didn't work? No. Um, the makeup wipe did not take the words off. No matter how much I scrubbed in front of the entire <laughs> class. And I was like, well, this is the point of it. And she was like, well, no, you get an A because I get the point. And the fact that it didn't come off all the way spoke depths about how like it still scars us and you can't actually fully get rid of those words i was like sure that's what i meant sure yeah. sure this was the plan all along 100 <laughs> percent. it has to walk around campus the rest of the day i did and marker ink i all had over to like body. wear a very long sweater <laughs> i was like this sucks but the giant word on my forearm was sociopath because that's what my ex-boyfriend <laughs> called me everybody in the room knew and they were like oh, oh my God. yikes and i was like i may or may not be a sociopath who knows Still not a nice thing to call someone. Still not a nice thing to have written in large font on your arm. And that was the biggest thing that would not wipe off. (laughs) So I was like, great. This is wonderful. (laughs) Oh, wow. College. What a time. Do you know what you're taking next semester for classes? Um, I'm taking a course over Chaucer. Oh, no. Like Canterbury Tales? Like Canterbury Tales and like basically everything else he's ever written with uh, Sarah Harlan Hoy, who I love. She's a wonderful professor. She's my advisor. She's great. Never heard of her. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I took Viking literature with her. Viking literature? Yes. What? Sagas of the Icelanders. That's, that's that actually sounds was very good. interesting. Very, very interesting. It's such a fascinating like literary history. Um, and then we took... 
I, she also taught a course over Arthurian myths and legends, which was really fun. I, I do, do enjoy King Arthur. <laughs> do enjoy me some King Arthur. Our final project had to be, because it was over like the pandemic yeah. like semester that fall, that, we oh, did, yeah. that everything was like still online, basically. Mm. We had to do a video presentation over a modern adaptation of an Arthurian legend. Interesting. Or like something from modern times where Arthurian mythos is like present in some yeah, way yeah like how house is just a spin-off sherlock holmes yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah like that i get that um so i chose to do my final project in that class over pokemon sword and shield <laughs> oh god <laughs> because it took place in the galar region which is basically just knockoff england and there's like a whole myth about how the legendary pokemon's going to come back and save all of us and that's very much like it's just an Arthurian myth. And then like the quest that you go on as a Pokemon trainer is similar in nature to like the hero's journey. <laughs> wow, iconic. Please tell me someone did their project on BBC's Merlin. Nobody did. Everyone discussed it. We were all like, oh, we could talk about Merlin, right? Oh, absolutely. And nobody did it. And I feel kind of stupid for not I, doing it. Well, I mean, I think people probably thought it was an easy way out because yeah. it is essentially just Arthurian legend. It's yeah. not like something remade with Arthurian legend present, but but it is like a retelling. It is because yeah. none of it is close to Arthurian yeah. legend. It's just the characters and hoping for the best. Yeah, which like I I think the reason that I was deterred from doing that project is because I didn't want to have to rewatch all the like, entire thing. Is it five seasons? All five, yeah. five or six seasons, five or six and seasons. like the first I, two yeah. drag. They drag so long. I think the, my first watch through of Merlin, I only got through the first two seasons, and then I just like didn't Listen, get back up. Season three is when Morgana goes evil, and that's when the real shit happens. Oh yes, yeah. Arthur's sister, Morgana Le Fay, or Morgan Le Fay, yes. or whatever the fuck you want to call she her. She was very. She awakened something in me in middle school when I watched it. The time she awakened something in me and i'm gay <laughs> like katie mcgrath or Ma she, mcgarth yeah. or something like that like that's her last name she stunning ooh, what a woman have you seen her play a blonde lesbian in dracula no i have not so nbc had this one season series of dracula hello, hello again <laughs> what's the matter you have water you have food are you just being neglected oh, yeah. okay um, she was Mina Harker's best friend, Lucy. Yes. Okay. So she's blonde, obviously, because in every retelling, Lucy has to be blonde for some reason, because Mina's the dark-haired, fair skin. Um, but she's obviously a lesbian for Mina. Mina, yeah. It's never explicitly said that they're lesbians, but, like, this adaptation... Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But that was... That was a good class. It sounds fun. I got a 100 on the final. I got okay. a lot of laughs during the presentation. Like, You're I, a funny person. I, mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> think you intentionally try to, but like you throw in that like good old chuckle comedy. Oh, yeah. Like some good knee slappers in that video. And then the next class I took with Sarah was a uh, Middle English oh. course hmm. where we were reading things entirely in Middle English and translating... God, I hate that. Translating Middle English texts into like regular English. No, that is Old English. Oh. What's common that? misconception. Um, Not common. I'm just stupid. No, it is. <laughs> no, every time I bring up this class, someone's like, oh, did you guys read Beowulf? And it's like, mm. no. <laughs> mm. um, so what's Middle English? Is that like... Middle English... 
I wish I could pull up like the the tree of language development oh, for God. you, but it's like like old English developed directly from like Latin Romance languages. Yeah. Um, because oh God, we learned so much about like why English is the way it is, and it's so convoluted because well. England was like invaded by several different people. So it's a bunch of different. So it, it was like Latin. Yeah. Old French, Old Germanic, yep. Old Norse, a it's little bit. It's just a bit. bastardization. Yeah. It's just a hodgepodge of a thousand different ancient languages. Yeah. And then, like, as the language sort of, like, developed away from Old French and Old Germanic, it took on a new life in Middle English. Okay. And I wish I could think of texts that I could... It's not Shakespeare. Um, it's not Shakespeare. Because Shakespeare's its own... Yeah. Entity. It's like pre Shakespeare. Um, mm. So some texts that might, like Sir Orfeo, uh, no which is it was written by some. It was an anonymous work. Yeah. A lot of the works of that time are anonymous because like literature took on like a courtly form. Yeah. So like it would be performed by troubadours. Yeah. Or like only performed like orally. Yep. So there are very few records of like who originally came up with these ideas yeah. um, and who came up with the stories at first. That but makes sense. That was a very, it was a fun class to take. Um, hmm. I would zone out during it because I could never, I could never. We had it at 8 a.m. and she would be oh. like, she would be like, okay, who wants to read this passage out loud? And I would be like in my dorm with a blanket over my head, like in the pitch <laughs> black. And I'd be like, I guess I will. And then I would just be like speaking middle English to an empty room. I love that. On the third floor of Estabrook Hall. I fucking love that. <laughs> That's fantastic. It was a vibe. My friend who was also in the class, she was like, I can tell when you're doing your homework because you read it aloud. <laughs> because that's the only way I could comprehend those texts was to read yeah. them aloud. And it's... That's the same with Shakespeare. The only way you can really understand it, per yeah. se, is to read it aloud. Um... And technically, you're supposed to read it in a specific accent. Yes. Like Captain Barbosa from the Pirates of the Caribbean I just franchise. saw a TikTok about this. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. But it is what it is. <laughs> I am going to, pardon me, set more ambiance because I hate overhead lighting. If you want to hit the metal thing. Can I okay. reach it? Can you? I can. Just barely. Look at that. Ambiance. For reference, I'm five foot one. Yeah, and I'm five ten, so I got like nine inches on her. Yeah. Which is the first time that's ever been said to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh no. <laughs> I had to throw at least one joke in there. I mean it's more than one, but yeah. <laughs> at least. Also, for other reference, I'm an English major with a medieval and renaissance studies minor, which is why I know so much about this stuff. Uh, she doesn't do this for fun. She no, does this as her major. Well, this is, it is fun for me sometimes, but like, I don't want people to think that I'm unhinged and just know, like, I just have a wealth of information about the history of the English language. Is that you're unhinged? I, I'm very hinged. I would like everyone to know, for Are the record. You? Um, I like to tell myself I am. I think you're more hinged than you let on to people. I think people are like, wow, she's a feral goblin. And you're like, actually, I'm very studious. I'm a very big intellectual brain person. Not to brag or anything, but like, I have a 4.0 in my major. So like, it's... Oh God, I wish. But English is, I don't want to discredit English, but it's not 
quite so difficult as other majors. Well, but... Like, it still has its own difficulties, yeah, but it's... And coming from the eyes and ears of a theater major, you have a difficult major, in my opinion, because... Mm. Listen, my only homework was to schedule a mental breakdown on Wednesday mornings. That's like, <laughs> that's just, like, I get an A for crying, like... <laughs> And I still don't have a 4.0. Wahoo. But that's not because of theater classes. That's because of things like astronomy and oh, math yeah. and Shakespearean text, which you would think yeah. I'd get an A in. Well, I did, but not to help my GPA. Yeah. That course was... That Shakespearean literature course was... Uh, was something. It was, certainly was something. I don't think I read any of them. I read all of them, for the record. I did read all of them. <laughs> so here's the thing. I already knew the Scottish play. Yes. I had already been in Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. So those two I didn't have to yeah. read. Fucking hate the historical plays, so I did not read Henry. Read you Richard? Richard. Richard. See? I don't even remember same which one it was. Same thing. <laughs> same, same thing. thing. Um, and then we... I kind of skimmed Winter's Tale. Yeah. Mostly because we had a video to watch. So I was able to just watch the show and be like, I have plot points. Oh, yes. And didn't we have another one? Was Richard Three, Macbeth, Midsummer, and Winter's Tale? There had to be another. Oh, Othello. Oh, right. Yes. I didn't read that one either because I watched it with Lawrence Fishburne. Oh. Wild. Lawrence Fishburne and What's-His-Face, who played Gilderoy Lockhart. In the Harry Potter movies. Um, Who also directed Kenneth, Thor. Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh. Branagh. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Harry Potter. Oh, yes. So, yeah. I thought I, we were going to get into this after the Caitlyn Jenner discussion. That's what I but thought, too. But I mean, that would have been a natural segue, too. So, we all know J.K. Rowling is a trash <laughs> human being and a transphobic turf. Yep. And she can rot in hell. Franchise. Great. Yeah. And I'm glad the fans have reclaimed it. But she, as a human being, awful. Awful. So, the other day, and it was literally yesterday, so the other day, (laughs) I stumbled upon this article about J.K. Rowling, once again, tweeting a transphobic thing. Um, There was an article about how Scotland's police departments are now reporting their rapists by their gender identity and not their sex. Okay. Which, like... Yeah. Is... Pretty progressive. Yeah. Especially for, like, Scotland. Yeah. So I was like, cool. But the article itself was, like, the absurdity of... And absurdity was in air quotes. So I don't know if it was a good article or bad article. Because I didn't read the article. But I saw J.K. Rowling's retweet of it. Right. And she had said, War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is bliss. And that penist person who raped you is a woman. And I was like, oh. My God. My God. Joanne. <laughs> Joanne Rowling, Rowling, whatever the hell your last name is. Why? That, oh my God. And I... so many fans retweeted her going, okay, why is this the hill you die on? Yeah. Like, why Why is this what you want to be remembered for? Yeah. You could, like, what do you stand to gain from this? Nothing. Like, literally nothing. But she doesn't stand to lose anything either. No! she's made all of her money already. And she just keeps making that money. Yep. Yeah. Because... Like, royalties and... Because like, Harry Potter is a generational 
thing. Yeah. Grasp on a generational grasp on a generation. A grasp on a generation. Yeah. So, like, of course, it's amazing. We're not going to let it live down, but she still benefits from it. Yeah. Like, one of the retweets was, you literally live in a castle. Why the fuck are you just retweeting horrible shit? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like enjoy your castle and just shut up and get your money. Like, yeah. that's it. We don't want to hear from you. We don't want to see from you. It's just, it's insane to me that, like, even if you are, like, to go back to the Caitlyn Jenner discussion, mm. even if you are, like, fundamentally not a great human being, that does not invalidate your gender identity. Oh, absolutely At not. all. No. She, Caitlyn is 100% part of the trans community. Yeah. She may not be the best advocate or the best, like, spokesperson to yeah. have at the head of the trans community, but there are so many other people who are leagues better than Caitlyn is as a person. Yeah. Like Laverne Cox. Yeah. Um, MJ Rodriguez. They're all amazing. And I would follow them into battle. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how amazing they are. But that doesn't mean Caitlyn's not a part of the trans community. Yeah. Because Caitlyn is Caitlyn. Yeah. And that is to be recognized and respected. No matter how bad of a human being yeah. she is. <sighs> a part of me is like waiting for the moment when Harry Potter is going to be sort of like dethroned from the position and hold that it currently has over society. I don't know. <sighs> but I don't think it can happen. I, I don't... think it can happen, but it won't be for a, like a long time mm. because that came out around like obviously our age, but a little bit before it too. So like a lot of 30 year old people still have an obsession with Harry Potter yeah. as well. I mean, I'm 23, so basically 30. Yeah. <laughs> basically 30. I have a foot in the grave. It's great. It's... <laughs> um, but until that dies off and until the franchise stops making movies, which I'm not upset about that they're mm-hmm. making movies still because, like, let's live on. Um, but I don't think it'll be dethroned by anything, really. Yeah. I think I don't think it'll either die out. I think it'll it'll lighten up for sure. Yeah. Something will take hold and hopefully we can have another generational grasp of some sort of book series or something. Yeah. Cause like hunger games tried and they had a grasp yes. for a while and then it died. I think the reason it died was partially because of the movie franchise. Oh, 100%. And I think also, oh God, this is such an interesting topic to discuss. So that whole era of young adult dystopian like sci-fi. divergent series like divergent Maze Runner. matched Mage Runner um, Hunger Games Hunger Games I think the things that followed in Hunger Games' footsteps really detracted from the impact that Hunger Games was oh. able to have over society because if you think about Hunger Games' message about society it's a freaking powerful one and mm-hmm. it's meant to be but then everybody's like wow she did great Let's copy yeah. her. And then it was just like, oh, let's parody after parody after parody and make fun of this because yeah. so many people are doing it. And it really took away from yeah. them. I think there's a huge issue of like authors trying to capitalize off of whatever is trendy right now. Yeah. Which, <laughs> weird connection. Mm. There was a Murder, She Wrote episode. Oh, boy. (laughs) So I've recently been watching all of Murder, She Wrote because while I'm at my job, I can have headphones in. Mm. And so I just prop my phone up on my um, ergonomic screen holder at work. It just helps the day pass. 
So, Murder, She Wrote is free on Peacock, just in case mm-hmm. anybody was wondering. Um, and all 12 seasons are there. But there is an episode about a professor who is an English professor, who I think she's also the chancellor of a college. Yeah. Um, and how her daughter writes these, like, smutty romance novels that is full of sex and gets all the money while she writes, like, collegiate, like, yeah. respectable books and stuff like that. But it comes to light that she's the one who is writing the smutty novels and having her daughter publish them because she was sick and tired of not making money from her books that nobody read. And that's where the money was, was in the smutty romance novels. So she went where the money was. Fun connection. Yeah. (laughs) Right there. That is... When did Murder, She Wrote come out? It was from the late 70s, so 1978 to 1995. Okay. I believe. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, yeah, I guess that has always been, like, an issue. Like, it is. It's 100% a thing. Society. Oh, 1984 is okay. when it started, and then went to 1996, actually. So, yeah, that's, okay. That's yeah, but that's always been a common theme, is just right where the money is. Yeah. Which is kind of where you're losing a lot of authors today, because a lot of people aren't writing what they're passionate about because they're worried they're not going to sell. Yeah. They would rather get the money than write about something that makes them happy. Yeah. And I think right now the biggest market is like young adult romance. Oh, 100%. Especially if it's like anything from the norm of young adult romance. Like yeah. everybody's obsessed with red, white, and royal blue. Oh my god, yeah. I have not I read a word. Read I haven't read it. And I'm not going to, but everybody's like, it's a gay prince love story of teenagers. And I'm like, ah. It's like, I don't want it. They're not. Like, Like, as much as I'm like, yes, gay representation. Because, like, I didn't have that as a child. I'm gay, in case anybody was wondering. Yes. Surprise. (laughs) Uh, Surprise. (laughs) Not that it was a surprise to anyone, Um, except for me. Um, But I just, it's not something I was like, oh, woohoo. Yeah. Like, it's. I think because LGBTQ+, the Alphabet Mafia, if you will, is very normalized. Like, it, we still have leagues to go, obviously. Yes, yeah. But it is more normalized today than anything that it doesn't yeah. need that oversaturation because it yeah. is, it's normalized. I also feel like oftentimes a lot of that queer representation is very pandering to certain uh, audiences. Very much so. Like, they kind of just try to, like, shoehorn it in there and make it, like... Like the token gays. The token gays and like... The stereotypes and... That's why I was like genuinely surprised. I haven't watched it yet, but I heard great reviews. About Single All The Way on Netflix. Oh my god. With Kathy and Jimmy and Jennifer Coolidge. Icons. Yes. About this gay guy who brings his gay roommate to home with him. They say that like... Yeah. They're like... Their family's always, his family's always like, oh, you're not dating anybody. So he's like, oh, I'll bring you home. Yeah. And then his mom sets him up with this really hot guy, but he ends up falling in love with his roommate anyways. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's like not stereotypical gay tropes. It's the only thing that's really stereotypical gay is probably the presence of Kathy and Jimmy and Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm like, it's one of those that's like, okay, I respect this because it's not like, they're yeah. gay for gay's sake. Yeah. It's not like a slay mama boots the house down queen moment. It's like <laughs> an actual 
<laughs> representation of the gay community. Yeah. And I think that's what people were kind of hoping for with that movie. Oh, God, what was it? That had Kristen Stewart in it? Oh, Audrey, Audrey yes. Yeah. Yes. With uh, also had Dan Levy in it. Yes. Um, the one that was on Hulu. I can't remember the name of it. I want to say Season's Greetings, but that is not but, yeah. it at all. But something along those lines. I know the movie you're talking yeah, about. When she goes home to visit her, like, Yes. girlfriend's family but her girlfriend still hasn't like come out to their family yet and she just like treats Kristen Stewart's character like trash happiest season happiest season yes and by the end of the movie when Kristen Stewart was like fuck you I can't do this anymore I'm leaving I was like yes do it leave like Kristen. that's leave it I could give you better yeah it's just like I don't that whole movie was just I I expected better oh me too 100 percent. and like I'm kind of struggling with that too with the uh, cartoon series Q Force. Yes. Yeah. Like s- so many mixed reviews because so many people are like there's so many stereotypes yeah. that are just like really fed into on that series, which yeah. is they're trying to do it for the irony. Yes. But at the same time, it's not really working. But yeah. at the same time, I'm getting reviews where like the main character is this very masculine, jacked gay guy mm-hmm. who's very feminine. And dating a bear, which like in the gay community is, if you're going based on stereotypes, a muscle, twink, twonk, whatever, would never date a bear based on stereotypes. So like they're starting to break it down and I get it, but like they're also also kind of missing the mark. Because (laughs) they, I mean, I think they're still trying to pander to a larger audience and people that are not. I was going to say something else about Happiest Season, but I cannot remember what it was. Just besides the fact that I was really rooting for Kristen Stewart to leave that woman. I mean, oh, weren't we all? <laughs> a lot of... I just don't understand why they still rely upon that whole, like, uh-oh, I haven't come out to my family yet trope. Like, yeah. I don't... Like, I want a cute rom-com that doesn't revolve... Like, I don't want the comedy, in air quotes, to revolve around the fact that this person hasn't come out of the closet yet. And that's what Single All the Way is. He's out to his entire yeah, family, and so is his is roommate, nice. so and nobody gives a shit. And yeah. there's a whole line where Jennifer Coolidge is like, the gays just love me. I don't understand. They yes. just do. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, we do. Um, but yeah, I think Hollywood uses that trope a lot because they're able to get like slapstick comedy out yes. of a lot of it. Yeah. But in this day and age, don't get me wrong, there's still several people who are struggling in the closet, yes. can't come out because of families, and it's rough. It really is. I was very lucky to have a very supportive family. There were touch and go moments, but that's just, again, they had to learn and they did learn. Um, And people still really struggle with that. And the people who don't feel safe obviously need to find their place that they feel safe. And when the time is right, the time is right. But a majority of the day and age, a lot of parents don't give a shit. They're like, oh, you're gay? Cool. I just need to know what to buy you for condoms and, like, who you're might know her. So using that as, like, a trope now is kind of null and void because, mm-hmm. like, it's not really something yeah. that's like, oh, my God, coming out to your family. Yeah. It's like, nah, I came out to them last Tuesday. What do you want from me? What do you... <laughs> I <laughs> come do you... out on a daily basis. <laughs> they don't believe me, but I come out every Thanksgiving. Yeah. They don't believe me. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's, it's worn out and tired. Kind of yeah. like J.K. Rowling. Kind of like J.K. Rowling. What a good circle back. Right? God. I'm good at that. Not really. But yeah, the generational hold there. It's, just, it, I want it to die, but I don't want it to die. Yeah. I think people have been trying to fill J.K. Rowling's shoes a oh, little bit much with so. like, young, like other young adult fantasy series. Yeah. But they all kind of just miss the mark. 
they miss the mark, and I think it's because their world building isn't as... Hello again. Their world building isn't as great. Yeah, and it's not as immersive. I think where, yeah. like, Hogwarts and the Wizarding World really shines is in the fact that, like, a young child can place themselves into the story very easily. They very can be like, easily. here's my house, here's what wand I would have. Exactly. Like, this is what I would take for classes. This is where I yeah. would hang out on the weekends. And it also was amplified by the production of the movies. Yeah. Because then you could, besides what was in your mind, you could physically see everything and the world around. Yeah. And it just built and built and built. Do you think, do you think maybe if the Percy Jackson film had been better, we would be living in a, a Percy Jackson society rather than a Harry Potter society? No. no. I think if the Percy Jackson films were better... We'd be living in a dueling Percy Jackson Harry Potter society. You would have Ooh. to pick a side. And being a gay man, I could never. I <gasps> I think I would pick Percy Jackson. I well, so if I wasn't such into witchcraft and yeah. magic as I am from an early age in my childhood, I would go straight for Percy Jackson. Yeah. But I was raised on Harry Potter from a very young age. Because I loved witches and I loved magic. And so uh, Harry Potter was just one of my loves. But come around like fourth or fifth grade, I started getting into Greek mythology. And I was like, ooh, yeah. fun. And then I got into the Prince Jackson series. I was like, ooh, even better. Because yeah. like that is an immersive world that you can place yes. yourself in. And not only that, but Rick Riordan built extensive worlds upon that. Where he oh, yeah. made Roman mythology, Norse mythology, Egyptian, Egyptian mythology. mythology. He capitalized off of every pantheon. And he's now currently (laughs) trying to... He hasn't decided yet whether he wants to do, like, Mayan, Incan, Aztec Mm -hmm. culture, or if he wants to go with Native American culture. Yeah. Which I think would be fantastic either way. But, like, he, like, fully opened the world to things that already existed, but just took it into a place where, like, you could place yourself easily anywhere. It's it's vaster. And no matter, like, what background you come from, because he has opened it up to so many different cultures. Exactly. And he's done it in a respectful way. Exactly. I saw that he did, like, I think he outsourced one of, like, the Native American books to an actual, like, Native American writer. Yes, he he himself is a respectful writer and person. Yes. How he was on set and let that film happen? No. No idea. No idea. I actually... Was he there? Was he, he was there. Him and Chris Columbus. Oh, no. Chris Columbus directed it, and he was there, and I was like, But he, he didn't have a hand in the writer's room, which I no, think it's going to be is, different this time yeah. around when they work on the series, which, which should be... And not only that, but Disney is heading the series, yes. so like it's going to be yeah. fire. Unless unless they Artemis Fowl it somehow. Oh, but they made Artemis Fowl <laughs> a movie. Versus a series. A series. So if, they, could... if they really give it the time that it deserves to like and they flesh should, out the world. Because then, like, they, going to be both great. Disney and Rick know how bad those movies were. Yep. And I think both Disney and Rick went, we could do better. Yeah. Kind, like, kind of like what Disney's doing with the Spiderwick Chronicles. They know that oh, that yes. movie was awful. So they're like, you know what? We're going to yeah. make a series out of it. Hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully. hopefully. Always a slut for the Spiderwick Chronicles. Um, do I like Disney as a corporation? No. Do I want to see these wonderful things from my childhood brought to life? Yes. Yes. It's a love-hate relationship with Disney because, like, it is an overarching corporation that is just... Yeah. 
awful. But at the same time, Disney. <laughs> at the same time, I do love Disney. I do love Disney. I think that's one of the, one of my red flags is I, I do I'm know Disney. a lot about like Disney Parks trivia. You I don't, do? Yeah. And I know a lot about Disney characters <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. So I think... I think we should hit up a bar on like Disney trivia night. I think we do really, really well. I think we should hit up Disney on Disney <laughs> trivia night. <laughs> We own the place now, we baby. Own it. I don't think I'm as Disney crazy as like friends who have moved there. Oh no, I could never. I could never. I would love I... to be a Jungle Cruise skipper. I think if I had to work in the parks, I would. If I, I had to work in the Cruise parks, skipper. I would want to be a character. I actually take it back. I would want to work on Rise of the Resistance. Oh yeah. Okay. I think that'd be really really fun. Mm. I that is the best ride I have ever been on in my life. I don't think I've ever been on it. That's why. It's brand new. It's the Star Wars one that's like fully immersive. Oh, but that's in... It's in both parks. Oh, it is? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I have not been to Disney since um, I was in eighth grade. Ooh. I stayed on Disney property my senior year as a class trip, but we didn't go to Disney. So Which hotel? Which one? Um, that's a good one. That's a good answer. Um, I don't remember. I just... <gasps> so it's the one that has the multiple buildings. <laughs> That has the different themes for each one. How it's like there's a Broadway vi- one. There's like... Um, I Pop don't Century? I believe it was the Disney All-Star Music Resort. Oh my god. Yeah. Yep. Because each each thing was a different type of music. There was yes. a Calypso music, Broadway music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And the people at the pool hated me. Because he was, the DJ at the pool was doing like guess that disney song yeah so like we'll play it you shout it out and then if you get it right we'll change the disney song not even one note into every disney song i would shout the song and the and the movie to the point where he just stopped acknowledging me yeah. all of the children hated you no it wasn't even the children playing it was the adults they oh all hated God. me and i was like listen i'm in this pool i'm having a great time let me <laughs> live my out. life if you like what you're listening to join maddie and i next week for part two as we continue our disney conversation and we talk about more things like the titanic and spoilers to some popular tv shows all here on you me and a cup of tea